It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. Lawrence, bring it on. Happy Monday, my friend. What do we got? Take a knee, boys. Grab a knee on the Andy Thompson Show. One and two, Larry. One and two last week. Rough skeeter beater. We'll go through them. I'll take... I'll take accountability for my idiotic predictions. Which one do we got first? Some added cushion. Top of his drop. Barnes lets it go. Back shoulder. End zone. And high point in the football. Moonier McLean. The one pick I got right was Utah covering over Arizona State. 55-3. to And I was thinking that Utah fans should be ready for a different phase of Utah football when it comes to having better players than the majority of teams that you're going to be playing up against in your next phase in the Big 12. That hasn't been the case in the Pac-12. Utah is picked to win and they're picked, you know, top three in the conference, not because of their players, but because of their coaches, because of their scheme, because of their home field advantage, because of a bunch of other things. They've never had better recruiting or rosters year in and year out as UCLA, as USC, as Oregon, as Washington. The game that they played against Arizona State, who's depleted because of the portal and were just terrible, and first year for Dillingham, the quarterback, Conover's their quarterback getting their most throws. He has five completions, horrible completion percentage. He was awful. Offensive line was a nightmare. And Utah had better dudes in the trenches by far on both sides of the ball. And that's the advantage of the Whittingham system is with quarterbacks hurt or your top running backs out or receivers who can't get separation, when you're that much better than most of the Power 5 teams in the Pac-12 this year, you're going to be able to wallop some of these teams. Now, Oregon was obviously a different story, but after that huge win against Arizona State and how physical Utah was, I know Arizona State's the worst team in the conference, but 55-3, to that's the biggest win in the Whittingham era in a conference game. Now you're going to Seattle to take on Washington, a game you can hear on ESPN 97.7. It sucked for Utah fans that USC couldn't hold on to win that game. That Kayla Williams, it was tit for tat, it was... 21 21 then 28 28 and then he couldn't he couldn't seal the deal when we needed him to he could not seal the deal had he utah would have had a realistic expectation of maybe getting to the pac-12 championship game but washington too good Penix came through DeBoer's a great coach and lincoln riley and that crew it, it continues the issues they're having defensively grinch is gone they fired the dc good move but their season's over Caleb's Heisman running is over, and it's been spectacular. And you look at USC, who's ruining college football and leaving the Pac-12 and going to the Big Ten, losing and losing the, any meaning. They're going to have to play in some meaningful, a meaningless lame bowl game this year. That's going to be very enjoyable to watch. Having to see Caleb Williams, who will probably sit out the bowl game, right? Because he's going to be getting ready for the draft and getting, you know, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are going to get out the measuring tape to measure his hands, and he's going to want to be ready for that. So he'll probably sit out out the PapaJohns.com bowl that they're going to have to go to, and he's going to be 
uh, you know, talking with his agent to try to figure out how what percentage ownership he's going to get of whatever team drafts him. So he's going to be busy. I doubt he plays the bowl game. But it's going to be very enjoyable to watch that USC team who's on their way to the Big Ten have to play in the Papa John's, whatever crap bowl game they're going to go to. Very enjoyable, Larry. Looking forward to that. But then, as I'm talking about USC here, watching Oklahoma State, and uh, there was no way Gundy was going to win that game, Larry. No way he was going to come through and beat Oklahoma and hold on. He had a lead. He gave him the ball back. And then, miraculously, the Cowboys played defense and didn't allow them to go down and score. I was... I was shocked. I was texting everybody on our football thread saying that there's no way Gundy seals the deal. He seals the deal, sends Oklahoma out a loser in Bedlam, and I hope they never play it again. So that was fantastic. Anything else on the Utah win besides just absolute dominance, Larry? Barnes, yeah, Barnes ran the ball. Obviously, Nate Johnson comes in, shows off his 4-3 speed, looked great. Receive no no real receivers stood out, right? Vele was just okay. Jaquindon Jackson gets hurt again, which stinks. But the defense was was just that much better than Arizona State. And my point that I started to make and then got sidetracked, Larry, is Utah fans are used to Utah overperforming, getting the eight and a half win total in Vegas, and then then in going over for the most part almost every year and winning kind of that way, right? unexpectedly and overachievingly and taking three stars and making them four stars and developing NFL guys who weren't supposed to be NFL guys, especially in the trenches and all that stuff. The new era of the Whittingham era is going to be most of your matchups. You're going to have better players than the other team, not just better coaches, not just a better defensive scheme, not just better development in your facility. You're going to have better players then almost every team in the new Big 12, you can argue TCU, you can argue Oklahoma State. If you look at their recruiting numbers, comparing them to Utah's recruiting numbers, pretty similar as far as the amount of four stars they're bringing in. But for the vast majority, you're going to have better players. That hasn't been the case in the Pac-12. Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, Stanford, for much of the, of the, of the Shaw era of them being good, better players so Utah fans got a taste of what this is going to look like against a team Arizona State who's also going to the Big 12 that you can maybe push around for a while anything else Lawrence this season continues to be the Whittingham year because of the injuries because of the expectations going back to the UCLA win um, you know, the USC win kind of became the pig farmers win, which is fine. But if if Whittingham is somehow figures out a way with this crew and the injuries and not having a quarterback to go up and beat Washington, this is his year. This is his greatest performance, arguably, on the field. We talked to Porter Larson about Whittingham's year, and he said, yeah, you also got to consider navigating the program through two players passing away in two consecutive years and going to Rose Bowls. Those are, you know, his top years. I'm saying based on the field stuff, this has got to be up there, right? Two of the best. I mean, the UCLA defensive win and then this 
dominance against Arizona State. And I know Arizona State's one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country this year. But I like Dillingham. Sucked up to Whittingham after the game. Larry, did you see that? Yes. I want to be this guy. I want to be his program. I want to build something like they have. Everybody sucks up to Whittingham. Yes. Jonathan Smith at Oregon State sucks up to Whittingham all the time. He wants his program to be just like Whittingham's. Anything else there, Larry? No. Okay, let's go to BYU. BYU fans are... What's the word, Larry? Beside themselves on a Monday. I want a better word than that, but... Devastating performance. Not that they lost. They were expected to lose. They were fluctuated between a 10-point dog to a 13-and-a-half-point dog and kind of everywhere in between. Good part for BYU is Retzliff comes in and he gives a totally different vibe to your offense, a totally different threat as a runner than Slovis did, and that's kind of what Roderick likes. That's what he had with Jaron Hall and and Zach Wilson. So BYU fans are happy that Slovis looked good. Now, he he didn't throw from the pocket a lot. He, he bailed and sprint out and rolled out and had to throw across his body a few times, but he, th- he threw bullets. A um, little bit of concern by me if he can make the bomb throws down the field. I think Slovis kind of can. But having the ability to run for six yards on a second and ten when you're getting pressured is something Slovis couldn't bring to the to the team, and especially because BYU's offensive line is playing so horribly. It's good to have a guy who can bail you out with his feet a little bit, and he did. The biggest problem I think BYU fans have is the the letdown games that are just huge, and obviously they had a few last year, but, you know, the ability to beat an Arkansas team And then have a a loss like this on the road at night, which, you know, I kind of fell for a lot of that crap, Larry. Oh, by the way, this is one of the ones I got dead wrong. I picked BYU to cover in this game. Because I bought into the night primetime game. They've got this incredible record, 20-1 and at night. They suck during the day, but at night they can go and beat anybody. West Virginia just had better players. Just like the TCU loss where they showed up and TCU just had tangibly, obviously, better players. That was the case for West Virginia. um, It was amazing to me how often Slovis was throwing the ball to an open receiver and West Virginia just closed and hit the ball away and just closed so hard on those routes and they couldn't get open. They obviously couldn't run the ball. The defense was pathetic. And the biggest concern is, for BYU fans, the give-up factor. This was the storyline last year. This is why they got rid of Tuiaki and the defensive coordinator was because the guys quit on the team. mid. They lost the locker room. So Satake recalibrates. He goes and recruits new coaches to come. Hits a home run with Jay Hill, who's been great this year. Expectations, based on what the expectations were. I think Jay Hill's been awesome. But the lack of fight for four quarters is what is driving people crazy, and I agree with all of that stuff. You beat Arkansas, but now you got to try to beat Arkansas nine times. That's the difference between this era and the Independence era. Every week's tough especially on the road. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the quarterback, Slovis, is hurt. That's why he was out, didn't even dress. 
It'll be interesting to see if he wins the job back or whatever going forward or if it's just Retzloff's team thinking into next year we need to get this guy ready type of stuff. But I, I liked Retzloff. I was mocking BYU last week for considering him not knowing that they were going to pull the trigger on the back of J.C. quarterback because Slovis was going to be hurt. If Slovis was 100% healthy, maybe Retzloff wouldn't have gotten the go-ahead, especially on the road against a team that Slovis beat last year. But the answer to the quarterback situation is, just like Satake said last week, this isn't a quarterback issue. This is this is an offensive line issue. This is a inability to run the football issue. Making it about the quarterback and Slovis and stuff, that is on the peripheral. And Retzloff looked good, but it's not like he was, you know, gangbusters. His efficiency wasn't great and was pressured and all that stuff. So can BYU get get one more win to go bowling? Only been a handful of years. Let's see. 04. 03, 2017, and maybe one more this century that they haven't gone to a bowl game. I think that now I'm always positive with BYU, Larry. I think I still believe they can get one more win. Probably Iowa State, even though Iowa State's looking better compared to how they started the season. Same with Oklahoma State, and that game's in Stillwater. And then they got Oklahoma Thanksgiving. Yeesh. I still have faith for some dumb reason they can go bowling, Larry. All right, let's go to Utah State. Big win for the Aggies. San Diego State's no good. Brady Hoke needs to retire. But Cooper Lagarde comes in, wins his job back, wins a lot of Aggie fans back. Blake Anderson, full-throated support for Lagarde after this game. Hillstead gets hurt in the second quarter. Aggies win in OT. Blake will always leave the door open. He'll always go conservative with the lead and allow the team that he's beating to get the ball back with a chance to beat him and all that stuff. But they held on. They didn't go for two in the first OT. I think that's smart. When you're the better team, just kick the kick the PAT. You're the better team. Win the game outright, and they did. So congratulations. That's another one I got wrong. I had San Diego State in my stupid Skeeter beaters. One for two, Larry. Not great by your humble correspondent. Anything else on Utah State? They can win their last three games because Boise State, they can beat Nevada, they can beat New Mexico, they can beat Boise. Boise's weird this year. Anybody can beat anybody in this conference. How about Air Force, by the way, completely laying an egg against Army? What was it, 23-3, Larry? Was that the final score? Something like that? Yes. Air Force is supposed to be the cream of the Mountain West and, you know, going to get a, if they remain undefeated, the people are going to be talking about them getting a New Year's Six Bowl, and then they just get blasted by Army. Good to see Laga succeed, though, Larry. I root for him, even though I've said over and over again how horrible he is. All right, that's the Skeeter Beater Review. We'll talk Utah Tech and SUU later on in the program. Those are the three that I gave you bets for. And lost you some money. All right. We got Big Tad, Larry? Yes. All right, go ahead. National Field Goal League Blitz with Big Tad. Eagles 28, Cowboys 23. The boys are back at sucking. 
Luke Scudamaker, more like Luke Fantasy Loss Maker. Dak Prescott, you see that white paint? That's out of bounds. Dak, the sack. Dak, throw the ball in the end zone. Bungles over the Bills. Highmark Stadium, more like Mark Stadium. Josh Allen, colorblind. Chiefs 21, Finns 14 in Germany. They'll finish and select them football. Miami hot for Zuben. Roger Goodell is ruining at the big games. Ravens demolish the Seahawks. Pete's defense blows more smoke than Pete's dragon. Geno Smith, country roads take you home. BYU ain't walking through that door. Harbaugh stole their signs. Texans over the Bucks. Baker Mayfield, white guy grit. C.J. Stroud, the best quarterback in the world. Todd McShay, Todd McShut up. Baker Mayfield, more like Baker won't feel. Vikings over the Falcons. Joshua Dobbs, more like Joshua Dubs. Taylor Heineke, wherever you went to college, the worst team in their conference ain't walking through that door. Raiders over the Giants. Raiders having fun again. Aiden O'Connell, winner. Giants suck. Max Crosby, stogies. Antonio Pierce, write your own script. I'm out of time, sporty. Yes, you made a boo-boo. I did. Mm. I did. The boo box. Ah! Yeah. Uh-oh, time for the boo box in the sport hall. All right, thank you, Tad. Let's see, Larry. I hate to put people in the boo box. We do it every Monday. The weekend goes by. People think that we're not watching, but we're always watching in the sport hall. Right, Lawrence? You're taking notes? Yes. Who do we got today? Who's going to the boo box? Oh, yes. Jim Mora. Jim Mora, who took the UConn job, one of the hardest jobs in college football, and he took it for some reason. They're terrible. They got to go in and play Tennessee. Tennessee beats them 59-3, to Larry, something like that. Yes. And before the game, UConn is talking trash and they're on the ball side of the field and this happens every game in college football not a big deal Hypel and the boys and Milton put it on UConn because UConn's terrible and Jim Moore has fallen on hard times and he's depressed and he's angry and he might get canned and he does the he does the uh what's it called what does Kramer say Larry snub he snubs Hypel. He just kind of shakes his hand, snubs him, says something snark, and we don't hear what he says. And he refuses to take his medicine. And what your medicine is when you lose that bad and you're a Division I team is shake the coach's hand who just beat you, look him in the eye, shake his hand, wish him luck. It doesn't matter if his players were cocky. It doesn't matter if they were jumping up and down on the sidelines or if you perceive that they ran up the score, which I don't think... I don't think Tennessee did. I don't think there's a valid argument that they ran up the score. You take your medicine, you shake his hand, and you shut up, and you go back to the locker room and yell at your team. Take out your anger on your team. Now, you're playing an SEC school who's who's pretty good. 
course you're going to lose. I don't like the snub move. Now, that's why Mora's going to the boo box. The boo box. But <laughs> the Purdue coach who snubs Harbaugh, I'm fine with. Harbaugh's cheating. Harbaugh's creating all, all every coach in the Big Ten hates Harbaugh. The Big Ten came out today and said, look, we're going to punish this guy. We'll let you know this week what the punishment is. Harbaugh's probably going to go to the NFL or something. It's okay to snub a cheater the week of all of the news about how badly he cheated stuff, even though I think it's a joke. But the coach snubbing Harbaugh is fine. Mora snubbing Heupel, not fine. Thank you, Larry. The Sport Hole. Butch, 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 butch. Two-minute drill. Presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. To the five, to the two, diving, touchdown! Final four's here, Larry. RPI pooched it. Skyview, the number one seat, goes down to Green Canyon. We got the four, five, or excuse me, we got the, we've got... Payson getting wrecked by Ridgeline, so now they're taking on the two seed. So that's the six seed versus the two seed. So Provo was a miss by the RPI. Um, Park City's going to play Green Canyon. So we're going to get the RPI on tomorrow, right, Larry? Have you already called her? Yes. Let me give you my thoughts on Crimson Cliffs and Desert Hills. Before I go on and on praising Crimson Cliffs, which I will do, Let me praise Desert Hills, who got smacked in the regular season. The game was over at the end of the first quarter, really, especially after the end of the second quarter. They came out as a different team. Full go on defense. Full aggression. Sending numbers at Steel Barbin. They hit him a couple times in the first half. There were two huge plays still made in that first half where Desert Hills had him beat. They had numbers, too many to block. They got to steal. They had their arms around him, and he made two amazing plays to convert. I think both of them were third downs for either first down or a touchdown. And if you're Desert Hills, you shrug and say the kid's just that good. The game plan and the aggressiveness were there. Desert Hills came to win that game, which I respect. Grondel was, was good. As good as you can be against Crimson Cliffs. I thought he ran the ball really well. Titan Mason, who went for 1.8 yards per carry the first time they played, went for over 100 yards. This time, he was a warrior. And that offensive line for Desert Hills was super physical. And that Stu Toffa versus Parker Andrus matchup was a battle of the Titans. And Desert Hills got some push, and Mason got some yardage. So, Coach Tapp should be very proud of how well Desert Hills played in that game. Shotwell had another great game defensively. Toffa on defense. Ocean Toffa. Um, Riker Tuckness. Hunter Clark. All the all the regular guys. So you lose to a team that it's kind of their year. Crimson Cliffs is dominating everybody. But you played them closer, I think, than a lot of people had them. Including Lawrence. Right, Larry? Yes. Including Nolan Perry's power guide. So kudos to Desert Hills. Great season. You went further than a lot of people thought you were going to go. So a lot to be proud of for the Thunder. Now, Crimson Cliffs, spectacular home run playability. I talked about Steel Barbin making plays when there shouldn't have been a play to be made when he's getting wrapped up. Throwing the ball to Topalian for one. 
Um, Malachi Lopipo over the top, just bombs one right as bread basket. Tyler West, home run. So an incredible game by the offense. Christiansen, 170-something yards, Larry. Fantastic. Great game by him. And, and, you know, he's got an argument. He's got an argument as being the best back in in region. Titans going to win all the awards and win the all-region teams because of how incredible his touchdown and yards numbers and how nobody could stop him. But McCord Christiansen in a system that isn't a running back system, right? It's kind of running back by committee, too, when you've got a guy as good as Tapalian as your committee guy. Christiansen had one of his best games of the year, including the 85-yarder, 90-yarder touchdown that he ran for Cribs of Cliff. So just big plays all over the field. Parker Andrus in the backfield. Rowan Williams in the backfield making plays. Scotty Nyson making a ton of plays. Caden Hawes was great. I mean, that whole defense is just, there's too many guys, too much talent, too, too good execution, and that's why they'll be favored you know, throughout the rest of the tournament in every game they play. Um, Ridgeline's good. They don't have a marquee like, oh, let's compare Crimson's win over Springville with Ridgeline's win over who? They don't have that type of marquee win on their schedule. They lost by one to Skyview. They beat Green Canyon, who's the eight seed who's still in it by 10. They they beat Riverton by a score, but Riverton's, you know, usually give it like a one-win team this year. So it's hard to find really their most impressive win of the year. It's probably Green Canyon. But you look at this offense that Ridgeline has. We're going to break it down in depth. We got QBU on Wednesday. We're going to get Ridgeline's play-by-play man on the show as well to tell us more about the Riverhawks. But we know that they've got the Dally kid, the super sophomore who played for him last year as a freshman. We know that they've got the Graham kid at receiver who is an 1,100-yard, who's had an 1,100-yard season, Graham Livingston. Who they can throw it around. They've got a running back who's, you know, five, six hundred yards, something like that. So it's going to be a fun matchup because, one, we haven't seen it before. We're through the region grind, the second region season they had to play in the playoffs for all the region nine teams but one. But two, this Ridgeline coaching staff has won championships, right? They've got one of the best offensive systems in 4A. And we'll see what they dial up against Crimson Cliffs and see if it matters because Crimson's been so good. But it's a fun matchup, and I'm excited for it. Anything else on that one, Larry? Yes. You do have something? No. Oh. And like I said, we'll try to get the RPI on tomorrow to make fun of her and... Because that's what she always puts in our face, Larry, is she normally gets three out of four top five teams in the final four. Not this year. All right, next topic, buddy. I heard Andy Reid is coming to BYU next year. I heard it from a friend's wife's boss, essential oil representative, who has a friend who works with Tom Homo's Grubhub delivery boy, who said he read it on... (laughs) The Cougar Board. 
All right, we got a character call voicemail, right, Larry? Yes. Is this Carmine from the Cougar Board? Yes. What's his Cougar Board name? Do we know? I know it. I know his Christian name, but is it? Do you know it? No. It'd be better if we pull the Cougar Board handle before we play the voicemails. But this is a character called Cougar Board Carmine. Go ahead, Larry, if you got it. Yes, Sporty, I am not pleased with the effort in Morgantown this past weekend. How do you go across the country and forget to get off the bus for the game? We got linemen who don't want to block. We got linebackers who don't tackle, receivers who can't get open, and coaches who can't get people in line. This is the Big 12 Conference. You got to get off the bus every weekend. You get punched in the mouth, you get up off the canvas, and you try again. You will lay down for the rest of the three quarters. That was a pathetic effort. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to give up and embarrass the brand on your helmet. There's a lot of great players and coaches who built that brand and now you jamoke rent a defense transfer players are all over it and I'm not happy about it on Monday Sporty. <laughs> this is a joke and Kalani Sataki who everybody loves everybody says this is the nicest guy he's a family man. He's a great representative of the school and all that stuff look we all love Kalani Sataki he's not a head coach. Make him the athletic director. Make him a consultant. Make him a coordinator. He's a great guy. He wears the lays. He does the dances. He's a great cheerleader for the program. When it comes to making tough decisions, it takes him way too long. How long did it take him to get rid of Tuiaki? Five years? How long is it going to take him to get rid of Funk, the offensive coordinator? Another five years? We gave him all of this talent at the offensive line position, the most important position group on the team, and what does he do with it? We give him first-round talent. They end up being five, six-round draft picks, luckily, because of their raw material that goes underdeveloped in this program. It's one thing to be five and three, thinking you're going to pay the over in Vegas. It's another thing to lose embarrassing like that. If they lose by 20, but they're trying until the end, and the special teams is executing, and they're not afraid out there, that's one thing. But you cannot play like that and expect Cougar Nation not to be on fire on a Monday, Sporty. I'm out. Who does he sound like, Larry? Carmine. Is it... I think it's Mad Dog Russo. Yes. Check the bloodlines on Carmine. Well, I think that he articulated, you know, some of the frustrations from the Cougar board. Uh, and that's what we, we want him to do on the program. Very frustrating loss for BYU. But, you know, they've been kind of alternating win-loss, win-loss. Except for Texas and now West Virginia. Can they beat Iowa State at home? Why the heck not? Right. All right, Larry, let's do let's do the next topic. What up, buddy? You're not very bright, are you? Andy versus Randy. As we do every Monday, we welcome in my twin brother Randy to give us his constructive compliments about the program. What's up, buddy? What up, buddy? How's it going? Thanks for calling. Well, I was wondering what you thought about the uh, Caleb Williams debacle uh, at the end of that game. Do you see him just break down <laughs> in his mom's arms and start bawling his eyes out? Doesn't he know a million people are watching him? I thought the same thing. It was. It was. Have you ever seen anything like? He's cried no. like the last three games. I know. He, he. I think he was sobbing at the Utah game, and it's too much. Well, I. 
Yeah, it's I've never seen that dramatic. I don't, I of don't a, care about the drafts. He's good enough. It doesn't matter, and it, maybe it shouldn't matter. He's the number one pick, regardless. Yeah, my obviously. question is: Is it cynical? Is he doing it on purpose? Is he that emotional? He's saying he wants to, you know, cuddle up with his dog and watch some shows that <laughs> you know after the game. It was. I mean, he was broken up. I mean, he got hammered. I mean, this is a Heisman Trophy guy, right? Yeah, and it's done. I, I've never I've never seen anything like it. I thought he was going to win a second one for sure this year, especially after the yeah. first six games. All right. See you later. All right. Thanks for calling. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. All right. What do we got, Larry? Oh, we got, uh, well, before we do the Gus Award, There, there's two types of hot takes on the Caleb thing. One is the people saying, this guy, how do you draft a guy like this? Second one is it doesn't matter. I'm kind of on the doesn't matter. He's so good. But I can't think of, I, I don't know. I mean, Tebow cried, right? But this was a different, this was just a breakdown. Just a breakdown. You have all those expectations on Lincoln Riley, and you came here, you're supposed to go to the playoff and win a second Heisman, and you just get your teeth kicked in. And what we're seeing is something that we've been talking about in the sport world for a long time, which is how inflated USC was because of last year. Lincoln Riley comes in. They play Jack in the non-conference. They don't play Washington or Oregon in the conference schedule. They lose to Utah both times. They lose to Tulane in the bowl. So they had one of the weakest schedules last year. He wins the Heisman, doesn't win one big game, but wins the Heisman. He beat Notre Dame if you want to count that. But that's been my argument with this team for for a while. Now they come in and they've got to play, they got to play everybody, and they're getting their butts kicked. So, um, Notre Dame, Utah, Washington. So, it's been very enjoyable, especially because of the factor that they're ruining college football. Good to send them out to the Big Ten uh, with an L, right, Larry? Yes. All right. uh, Go ahead. Next topic. Got to wrap up. and gentlemen, this week's Gus Johnson Award goes to Trout to the end zone, touchdown Tank Dell CJ Stroud I guess, is that it? Yes That was the best call I guess it was a game winner So CJ Stroud, incredible You heard uh, Big Tad Give him a lot of praise. And so Ian Eagle is getting our $10 gift certificate to Island Grinds, courtesy of the Sport Hole for the Gus Johnson Award Call of the Week. It was good. It was a great, uh, great win. But uh, I think you kind of mailed in. I think you kind of mailed that one in, Larry. All right, quick break. Back with more right after this in the Sport Hole. It's the Andy Thompson Show with Rustin Birdside. Thanks for being with us. This is Hunter Clark from Desert Hills. Listen to the Thunder all season long on ESPN 97.7.